We'll pick up something. All right, let's get this shit started. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of River City 93. Um, as you can tell by all the lovely faces here, we got a full house for an episode and a game that doesn't deserve it. <laughs> but uh, with that being said, I'm your host as always, Elliot Barr. Um, joining me is my four lovely friends, Matt Myers. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm gonna need to stop the podcast for like 20 seconds so I can go ice my, you know, calf you know, for exactly 20 seconds, and then everything will be fine again. So wait, yeah, I missed this. Did the ref really get hurt? Yeah, like, that's that, oh. that, 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 that's the joke. Man, Man. damn it, the game hey. I missed. The ref get hurts. That sucks. That's but uh, no, he's fine. Five seconds with ice on it. He's good to go. Oh whatever. Magic, we got the magic ice. Whatever. Was it the one with the ponytail? Yes, the ref. Oh, God. Man, that <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> next up is Mr. Shanir Durant. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay, considering. Yeah, Man United get their ass beat in Richmond. It's a shitty weekend for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outside of Kate, she's happy. She's happy, <laughs> as always. Kate, how are you doing, man? It's great to have you back on the show. I'm happy to be here, but I gotta say, rewatching the highlights really kind of right. So yeah, the highlights destroy all kinds of happiness. Our one attacking highlight, well, one and a half to like their multiple. Yeah, sums up the season. And last but not least is Mr. Gabe. How are you, sir? Uh, I told my friends before the game yesterday, I'm ready to get hurt again, and I think that's going to be my theme for the rest of the year. I'm just ready to get hurt again. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good talking point. Like right now, with eight games left, like where are y'all expectations at with the rest of the season? Play the kids. <laughs> All right, game play the kids away. I want to see them at home. Okay. I don't I want, want those stadiums to slowly empty over the course of the next few matches. Yeah, match in there. What about y'all? I'm, I'm with Gabe. Nah, screw that. Screw that. Uh, you know, A, City Stadium's always fun to be at no matter what. But B, you know, our our season's ruined. It's ruined for somebody else's season, too. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Take like, it down with us. Yeah, like, if I can't enjoy happiness, oh, I want to ruin Madison season, Greenville's, Omaha. Be some kingmakers out here. <laughs> you know, we got to win games. Like, just, just go into the game. Multiple red cards. Like just start a good old fight. Just just ruin the season for people at this point. Like that's where I'm at. Um, because I'm a glutton for punishment. But um, matter of fact, as a glutton for punishment, let's talk about this game. Um Darren and his pre uh press conference on Friday pretty much talked about uh because I asked him whether or not would we expect to see like Gabe or Beck and Orlando to kind of get starts. He alluded to it, pulled it out. <laughs> Friday, Landon Johnson got a start on the right wing. Uh, he was up front with Emiliano Trezaghi, Sarakowski. Uh, midfield kind of went unchanged, I believe. And the back four, unchanged. Like, this is pretty much the same lineup. Games did not start off well. We gave up a corner kick weight. 20 seconds into it, I believe. Like, it yeah. was fairly quick. Um, and that was kind of pretty much the theme of the game. We kind of seemed like we were on the back foot behind the most of this game. And I don't know, like, you guys were in the stadium. Like, what was the overall – like, what were your thoughts and impressions of this game overall? Uh, my, my, the, the thing that troubled me the most is that, with the exception of Johnson, this is technically on paper our strongest side, our strongest starting eleven. Uh, it's the, it's the and, usual, and, the usual and this, 11. 
Yeah, the usual 11. The usual 11, but if you really look at what we have on the bench in terms of, I I would say maybe Matt Bentley for Johnson, and that's the, on paper, that's the best starting 11 we can put out there. And this is the result we get. And, and I mean, let's be honest, North Carolina just put us down. Like, seriously, just put the smack down on us hard. And that's scary. That's, that's, that's very depressing that the, our, pretty much our best 11 minus one is getting trounced all over the field like that. Doesn't bode well. I mean, we can argue about if it's the best 11 or just the current 11. I don't think it makes any difference to me necessarily. Uh, if you want to know what you know, the takeaway is, I don't care that we lost. I I think if we're really being honest with ourselves, did anybody yeah. think that was going to be any other result last night? Possibly yeah. a draw, that maybe, but as I yeah. didn't expect to win. That, that's a big, giant whatever for me. Yeah. The fact that there are plenty of people in the stands you know, cheering after the first goal because they didn't realize that it wasn't us scoring a goal because we were wearing stupid-ass gray shirts and white shorts and the visiting team is in all red. But, you know, people give the front, Kickers front office, you know, crap in, over the years. They've deserved some of it. You can't tell me that some of the branding hasn't sunk in, you know, because, you know, people – who might not have you know the you know sharp eye to know which player is which, and that's fine. I don't expect everybody to be maniacs like us and you know be able to pick out players you know by sight and you know just kind of know who they are. Uh, they haven't all fought the uh, silver number wars with us <laughs> you know, to be able to you know, master this. People come in, they're like, "Oh, red team, that's the kickers." Except not this time because we don't have a goddamn red you know uniform you know anymore because Darren wants to play in all black for, I'm sorry, midnight red, whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's literally confusing our fans now, right? That's a problem if, you know, the people in the stands don't know which team you are. Yeah, that is. Um, like I, I said. And this, it bodes ill when on the TV broadcast, if you look very quickly – the kicker's jersey looks like the USMNT 1994 Star Spangled Banner jersey. That's the blue that's being used here. That's what it looks like on TV. So it's gray and pink, and it's trash. I just say it's a good cause. Don't get me wrong, but it's pink, and I associate pink with another team, and I hate the fact that we're wearing pink. Like I hate that, but that's just me. Um, you can read the on the field, like. I mean, it's evident. This is a team that's devoid of confidence right now, right? Like, nothing can really go their yeah. way. They're not getting a break any kind of way, you know, any which way about it. Um, I, I will say this, and maybe we this kind of helps shape the conversation. I think there are some good, not positive, some good takeaways from this. Um, Landon Johnson getting a start, proving that he can play. Um, he's about it, has some flashes. Simon Fitch gets his first goal, which is good. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. I mean, like you said, Matt, earlier, like going into the game, like the level of excitement for it was kind of down. Like you kind of just felt like, all right, if we can walk away with a draw, like that's a positive for us here. Like we celebrated the draw, like it was a win the last time we seen you play 10 days ago. Um, and I, I mean, listen to the broadcast. I actually did some research and found it out. Like second half, Richmond negative ten goal differential. First half, um, plus one goal differential. So we're better in the first half, but that didn't come fruition in this half. Yeah. Um, yeah. um well, what were you gonna say, um, I was gonna say just to to kind of reiterate your point of just a team that's just void of confidence is 
especially that's highlighted in the second goal. Um, I don't think there is anything that was different in the in the tendencies in the second goal. Um, I think in in the lead up to that second goal, Zaka did a good job of um, trying to cushion that ball back to Gomero, who was moving forward. It's on a different day. If we're on a winning streak, that back heel like flick that Gomera tries to do back to Zaka Moran that gets intercepted, that goes through. So the confidence is down. Even Gomero, who 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 is your who is a quintessential Brazilian style player with the flares and the flicks and the tricks, he can't even pull that off because the confidence is just shot. The confidence of the whole team mentally is just shot. I, I could see that coming off perfectly without a hitch if we're on a winning streak. Oh, you talking about the second goal? Oh, I don't put that up to confidence. Yeah. I just put that up to like we have done that so many times in our midfield where we have the opportunity just to like boot the ball forward. Like just boot it. Get it out of your own box. Like don't play around with it. And we did it again and it led to a goal. Like Well, I think I think one thing is that this is, mind you, this is in the second half. First half, I think there was a lot of clearing the ball, clearing the ball, clearing the ball, and it, it, it was like waves crashing on the shore. It just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And I think that there may have been some instruction to let's try and hold on to possession. We win the ball. If we're far enough away from goal, don't just boot it up the field. Let's try and keep possession. And I think that's what Gomiero and Moran are trying to do. In that situation, that ball comes down, Gomero controls it very well, lays it off to Moran, and his movement lets Moran know, I need to just give it right back to him because he's moving forward. And that flick to try and get it back to Moran after that pass is just, it's just one of those situations. It's like, yeah, that, there's no confidence here. He's, he's doing that off of muscle memory because that's the type of player he is, but he doesn't have the confidence to actually pull it off. I mean, any of you guys see it differently? Like, I know me and Shannon are arguing different sides of the same coin, but are you, are you guys seeing, like, the breakdown that second goal any differently? I see. I think that it, it was really bad luck for Ani there to get that deflection. And I think that also lends to on a different day, that deflection is it elsewhere or he doesn't get that touch. And that's, you know, he was in the right position and he makes that clearance, you know, the other 50% of the time that that takes it, you know, to the other side of the person. That was just one of those moments where it just feels like they can't win. You're just the, every unlucky moment is going to go the unlucky way yeah. without the bits of luck that, you know, can be the fine margins between an embarrassing loss and an eked out draw. Gabe, Matt, anything from y'all? I don't think I would add anything to that. Um, particularly the, you know, the the run of play yesterday just looked like really like sloppy, you know, all over the place. And so I think sloppiness led to um, – it led to at least two out of the three goals. The third goal, you know, that's a banger. You know, you can't do anything about that one, I don't think. But yeah. – yeah, so I, I wouldn't add anything in particular to what Kate said. Yeah. Well, even on the third goal, it's still don't look at there because I can't real point out who got a foot to it to, like, push it back up out of the 18 that um, Maldonado ran onto it on. But even then, like like you were saying, Kate, like that's one of those shots where anyone else hits that, that ball is knocking down the scoreboard. It just so happens going to the upper 18, you know, like – and even, you know, the unluckiness of it or, you know, players not being informed of this team at the, wrong, at the wrong moments, you go back and look at the first half where Nell takes his free kick literally on the edge of the box. Every – I swear, any other year, if he boots that into the back of the box. Really? It, it, yeah. And I don't know why. Like, he just seemed – I don't know if he thought he was offside, so he was like, eh, I don't know. But he kind of gets a toe to it. And just is an easy save for the goalkeeper, but like that's a moment there where it like, scores. This game does it change differently, or is it more the same? But who yeah. knows? Because you don't get that goal. Yeah, 
I think I think that miss is is similar to to K, what you were saying with regards to the second goal. That's just an unlucky situation because I think Emmy is stepping forward. He's timing his run to make sure he's not offside, but he's stepping forward in case there's a save. Yeah. And I think that's that's his thought process. So he's not expecting the ball to the ball to come to him from behind him, but actually to rebound off the goalkeeper save and come back to him. So he doesn't really get a lot of power behind it because he is not expecting it to to weirdly deflect off of the wall that way and land like all uh, two yards in front of him. And I also feel for Johnson there, who's sort of hovering off Emmy's shoulder. And I think you know he's sixteen. This is like two-time MVP, he's not going to come crashing in to take that loose ball as well off Emmy's foot. But, you know, maybe that's a different player who's on a different confidence level. But, you know, he was also completely wide open right there. And, you know, if maybe both of them had gone for the ball at the same time instead of just Emmy, someone would have gotten a little bit more power on it. And that's in the back of the net. But, I mean, when you're you're 16 and that's the club's, you know, record goal scorer, he's not, you know, coming in to take the ball (laughs) off his foot there. Hey, 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 big fella, I'm going to let you do this. (laughs) <laughs> most of us would have yeah exactly um all right let's i'm gonna ask you guys a question and try to bring a little bit of life to this podcast but is there are there any players from this point going forward we got eight games left that Look good coming out of this game that you're. I mean, I talked about earlier with Simon Finch, Landon Johnson. Is there any other players that look good that you're like, all right, let's see what they can do with a start or whatever from this game? I thought we looked best in that last 20 minutes when Neil was actually driving towards the back line instead of you know the passing around and around and around. That happened in the draw as well. Is all our best moments when Neil started making direct runs at the center backs and. The game came to life in the last 20 minutes of both of these matches when Neil actually was taking it, you know, on the run, just making those direct, you know, right towards the center backs. And we started, you know, crosses. It just, the game came to life. So I would maybe like to see that a little bit earlier in the match, maybe when we're not already 3-0 down, Mm -hmm. not chasing the game, but actually, you know, take some initiative like that at other reflection points in the match. Yeah. Yeah, part of me wonders if he has that space because North Carolina was like, yeah, do what you want at this point. <laughs> Don't really care. Uh, kind of a strike. I mean, Bentley had some good hustle when he was out there. I thought I thought it was a little peculiar that you know, he has probably his best game of the season and then gets you know stable to the you know, bench uh, until the game is long since gone. Yeah, last night. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of like kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, do I think that would have changed the result? No. Yeah, but you, know, you would have thought maybe there would you know, be something to build upon. Like even if it's not a start, you know, being the first wave, you know, of subs that come in. But yeah, you know, Darren with Luke first. Uh, you know, and those you know, changes, and you know, we can talk about you know the post game stuff afterwards. But I, I think there's some stuff to be read into with who's getting you know picked to play and when and why. I mean, let's go ahead. Let's talk about it now. We did, um, Matt. I thank you because you did the post game show. But some of Darren's comments, kind of, I get it. You want to take the blame on yourself. And as coaches speak, but I mean, realistically, it kind of lays the bucket at the feet of the players. Kind of iterates from the post game show. I mean, the pregame show as well. We was kind of just like we're just inconsistent. We're inconsistent in moments. You know, we're not finishing the chances that we're producing. Um, <clears throat> granted, like he stated, and it's true, we lead the league in possession. But it's funny, and I was just thinking about it, like it's funny to hear Darren preach about possession and holding on to the ball where you go back to year one and he was like, be damn with the ball. <laughs> I don't care with it, you know, um, four years on. <clears throat> when, I mean, granted, like this team has been inconsistent. Like that's been one of the leading problems with this team. Like they show spurts where they – have played well, have played good, but they've also shown spurts where they don't look like they can put two passes together. 
they, you know, players have that we've raved about, and then the next week they look like a shell of themselves. Do you? I mean, do you think any of that comes from Darren's just switching of the team with the attackers out there? Like, no. I mean, naturally, if you're an attacker, you you know, if you have a bad game, you're kind of thinking like, well, if I have a bad game. Or even if I have a good game, I'm going to be on the bench soon after. No, so I mean, having done the post game, like you know, this is, I think, I've been back here for two consecutive losses now, and Darren's come out guns blazing, uh, not like you know in a bad way, but first thing he's saying, you know, you know, blame Darren, don't blame you know the you know, players, you know, blame me, blame the coaching staff, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and yeah, to, to you know educate up uh, this podcast a little bit and smarten us up a little bit, you know, you know, kind of makes me you think a little bit of a, uh, you know, some Hamlet there with, uh, you know, Lady Doth protest, you know, too much. Here. It's like coming out a little too thick, you know, with the, Oh, you know, blame me. Don't blame, the, definitely don't blame the players. Don't, don't blame them. You know, th- this is me. This is me. But if you listen to the, more of that, you know, interview, you know, he's talking about why did Landon start? You know, because he's outperforming the other wingers in training. You know, you know, guys, you know, aren't, you know, sounds like they're not, you know, putting in the work and training. And that's, you know, I think why we've seen Belmar exiled for weeks at a time. We always see Gordon disappear for a while. Maybe why you see Matt Bentley, you know, go right back to the bench after having, you know, one of his very few actual good performances this year. I am also, I, I, one of the things that I think last year speaking to the question of rotation and chemistry is last year it it felt like we had a best 11 it felt like you knew who our strongest team was this year we lost two major pieces of our midfield glue and that sort of we we didn't necessarily have like for like replacements for that and not only that we have about 15 players competing for the same three spots in the, t- in the uh, across the front. So it feels like we didn't replace similar like for like players in the, the best 11 we had last year. We developed a really strong chemistry, then added more players to our front line, increased rotation along the front line without giving ourselves the midfield sort of ability to unlock their forward playing. And so I think the, the, the chain, I don't, I setting your forward lineup for failure when you don't give any players the time to develop chemistry. I mean, we we've seen probably, I don't know how many permutations you can make with our forward line with how many players that we have to play forward, but I just, I don't see how you can develop friends of play when you're pretty much changing out your forward line every match. Um, especially when you don't have a midfield who's, assisting them in them up. Yeah. So I would say there's definitely a connection there. Just it's, it's, I can't imagine the forwards feel very confident making runs, knowing, you know, who's going to be off their back if they're playing with a completely different lineup pretty much every time they step on the field with no idea whether or not, you know, they're going to be, whether or not they're going to be rewarded for a good performance or punished for a bad one. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. I, I don't disagree with you at all with any of that. And I, I think, Neil tried not to say that, but kind of said that in his answers in the post game too. Uh, but is that really our big issue right now? Well, like, not scoring. <laughs> we're scoring goals. I mean, yeah, they're offset piece, but at least we're scoring. Defense has been, you know, god awful bad, yeah. and it's always the same exact, you know, six guys back there, back there. Maybe it's Will instead of Akira once in a blue moon, but. Same back four, same Zaka every time. I do think you have to be able to get yeah. the ball up the field and then do something positive with it. So if there's no outlet, then sure. like, the defense is just going to have to absorb pressure for 90 straight minutes. And yeah. no team pretty much can absorb pressure for 90 straight minutes. You have to have an outlet. And I don't think there are any defined patterns of play for outlets of the field. We're just sort of hoping we nab a goal on set piece and have Neil drive up the middle for the last 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. I don't know, hope he gets a penalty, he gets a penalty at the edge of the yeah, box. I don't, like, I don't think you're wrong with that assessment either. I just don't think it all you know, falls down to those two spots. I think uh, I, I've banged on about this on other episodes too. So, uh, you know, I, I totally 
you know, am on board with what you're saying, but I think, you know, our focus on those two rotating or really one rotating spot, Sierkowski seems to lock down one of those roles is that it's, I think it's hiding what everybody else is, or maybe more accurately isn't doing on the field. Yeah, yeah whatever Sierkowski well, is doing to lock his spot down and someone else needed to do it on the other side. Hustle. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, honestly, oh, that, if you look at each, that. yeah, if you look at each line in this kicker team, it's a different prevailing issue. Like it's not the same issue at all. Like in the forward is the lack of confidence, right? If you look in the midfield, it's the lack of creativity and the lack of options. I mean, if you look at the back line, it's the lack of depth. Like. It's the lack of depth back there, and I mean, Darren was talking about it in his uh, pregame show, uh, pregame press conference, about just how one and Matt, you, I, I thought about you as soon as he said it, but like the CBA hinders this team as they can't go out here and just sign like stockpile talent like they did in years past because now you're dealing with the budget and options yeah. like that. But it's also like like it's also the lack of. Death back there in center back. So, if, like, if Ani and Dakota are both yeah. out of form, you can't necessarily bench them because it's like, well, damn, these. these I, I mean, I thought Chris Cole stepped in pretty able. The first, what, two months of the season, I don't think we were leaking goals quite like this. Chris Cole swapped no. in and the defense didn't, the, the level didn't drop. And I thought our forwards were performing a lot better. And it like maybe yeah. they bumped it down with their. Yeah, I'm mean, first. Six, well, know, I think that. Can I just pop in real quick, Shanir? First 16 yeah, games, yeah. 16 goals. Last eight games, 21 goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't have a good one, reason why Chris Cole hasn't started. I don't. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that I feel is a factor in that, and I think there are many things at play here. I I, I see what you're talking about, Matt, with the fact that our back line is, is, seems to be hemorrhaging goals. But that is, as, as you said, Kate, due to the fact that apart from the occasional sporadic moment or the occasional set-piece luck or penalty kick that we get, and, and as you can see for the past games, this is probably the, uh, uh, an outlier that most of our goals are early on in the game. And then it's like the other team straightens up and in the second half just watch us down and that comes from the fact that once the other team wakes up that front line is easy to shut down because there is no unpredictability in the way that front line moves so when you don't have that front line actually providing a threat the other team's back line is more confident when the other team's back line is more confident they can spray passes up and actually put our back line under a lot more dangerous pressure than they would in an even keel game. And on top of that, that means our back line is getting pummeled. They're punch drunk now. At this point right now, this, that's where we're at in the season. They're punch drunk. And I don't think Cole really has too much to do with it. It's just he happened to be in the back line at the time where we were still be able to handle it. But after getting punch drunk so many times, now he happens to be on the bench. The guys that are on there are like, we can't just keep taking this wave after wave after wave. And I do think most of it comes from that midfield three. The fact that Vignoles was out for a while with injury, Gomero was in and out. I, I think this, uh, this, this midfield three, if you give this midfield three time to gel, this is solid. But they haven't had time to gel. It's been for these past couple of games. We've played it's 26 been games. Three. Yeah, I, we played twenty. I know we played twenty six games, but how many of those games has Gomiero played with a combination of Neil and Zaka? Neil was injured for a good no. Neil was injured for a good certain bulk of that. There were some games where Zaka didn't start. Gomiero was in and out. Gomiero for the first whole part of the season was occasionally popped in, and it, it, it's just. Things have just been – the team has not looked familiar. And that's one thing that I have noticed this season. Even though it may seem like, yes, it's the same – the back four, same. Most of the time, Zaka's in front of them. 
But not only have we changed the formation many times, and you can have the same guys on the field, but if he's giving them different different responsibilities week in and week out, it's like, okay, so wait, what am I doing? So you have a lot of these factors that are stepping in. And I think these guys, they're, they're not – you can see everything is slower with the kicker. Everything is slower. Moving forward, we're a lot slower. Um, to, unless, like Kate, you said, towards the last 20 minutes of the game, when Neil says, all right, I'm done with this slow, figuring out how we're going to move forward, I'm just going to charge at the defense and see what happens. Yeah, but that's more to me. I mean, maybe maybe it's just me. I'm looking at it like it's more so on the players. Like, yeah, Darren has his brother. Like, I'm not disagreeing with that scenario. Like, Darren does have his brother when it comes to changing the system, picking the lineups. But like, when the game starts, the thing that has been killing us is individual errors. Like, go to the uh, second hitting derby game. Ani decided to get crossed up twice to lead the goals, or. Um, Bentley having a bad back pass that led to a goal. Gordon getting caught on the ball that led to the goal against Chattanooga. Um, you know, like each player you can kind of point to in the team and be like, yo, you had an individual mistake that led to a goal that shifted the momentum. And even when that momentum switched, I mean, even in this one. Yeah. Yeah, like, even was, in this one, the second goal, that's an error from, from Gomero at the end of the right. day. It, but it's like, even when that happens, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, once it happens here enough, you're kind of just like, well, damn, like, there goes our luck again, right? I haven't seen it in this stretch, which is bad. Like, this is Darren's worst stretch. Is that the worst stretch his team has been in the last five years? Like, we, once again, 2019, seven goals, no goals scored. That was horrible. This, at least there's draws, we're seeing goals, whatever. Like, it sucks. It's not fun, you know, but I think the thing that's missing from this is, like, there's individual mistakes and there's no one checking those individual mistakes on the field. You get what I'm saying? Like there's no one to be like, yo, like don't like, don't do that. Like don't make that mistake again. You know, I'm curious as to how much of like the individual mistakes or, you know, just this, cause it's a perpetuating issue, right? We're seeing yeah. this kind of pattern of, of, it seems like every game, like we give up a couple, a goal or two, based on some like seemingly sort of careless error by a player. Um, and one thing that's different this year that Darren's done is try to play with a lot more possession, try to break down teams with the ball. Um, I, I can't help but think that there's, there's players who just like, they're looking for that next pass. They're looking for like that next like outlet. And like, because there's so much pressure to play with the ball, to play with possession, they, they lose it. And they like, they can't think of what to do next at times. And so, whereas last year and the year before, um, we were, we were more okay without the ball, but we played very direct, you know? Um, And so I just think that like this possession based system is it, for me, it seems like this possession based system is the prevailing issue in a lot of ways. I, mean, I totally agree because yeah. I think so much of possession-based systems relies on team chemistry and knowing where your teammates are going to be as soon as you receive the ball and you don't build team uh-huh. chemistry and build your forwards. You lose that sort of instinctual ability to know where your next play is. It feels like players likely are losing the ball because you, you don't actually – you're not turning on instinct because you know Bentley's going to be making the run down the way. Like you don't know where you're supposed to be made, but you know you're supposed to obtain the ball – and that's also how you get so many back passes, just back and forth across yeah. the back line while someone tries to figure out <laughs> what is the, the forward-looking option. Well, the other thing, too, that as well is, like, we we do the possession system because I just looked at it. Like, last year we were middle of the table in possession. Darren's first two years, we were dead last in the table of possession. We were, like, almost below 40, uh, below 45% in possession. Like, we weren't – like you said, Gabe, it was very direct. This year, we're number one in the table of possession. But what that is, like, you're opening yourself over to more turnovers. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm looking at the game wrong. But it's like I see us trying to possess and build up. I feel like it's on the wings. It's not so much in the middle. And we lose the ball on the wings, and other teams are just like, all right, cool. We can, we'll flood the middle and go up the deck. Y'all yeah, see it that way? or? Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, there's just some empty stats that, that, that exist in this game. Like, you know, the way they calculate possession is just number of passes, you know. Yeah. Who cares? Like, right? you know, like what Darren, Darren said that in the pregame interview, we're second uh, – we're, we're top of the table in possession. Like, but look where we're at. Like, right. You know, like, that's that, – well, I'm saying, like, that's the we're at possession. You know, this does nothing for me. Right. You know, like – Yeah, well uh, – Boring soccer. It, it's yeah, it's in how that possession is used. And I think you can have a team that holds on to the ball a lot. You look at, for example, old Barcelona. They have like 70% possession in most of their games, but there was a lot of forward movement with that. There's the lulling you to sleep and then, and then playing it right through you. In, I think uh, we're overusing the back pass, and that is what is killing our possession and killing the fact, killing the usefulness of our possession. Because you you only go backwards when either a there's too much pressure, or b the middle is too clo- the, the the final third is too clogged up, and you're drawing the other team out of the final third to create space. But when you look at the way the kickers are doing when they're passing the ball back and it's going back and forth between our center backs, it looks like we have no ideas. And that's why we're passing the ball around back there. We're not passing the ball around back there to draw the other team out or to get the ball away from pressure. We're passing it around back there because we don't know what to do. And that is damaging. So you, you don't enjoy those uh, Ani, Akira, uh, Dakota triangles? I would also like no. to say that we, for some reason for some reason we decided to implement some kind of possession based system when we lose three of our most talented players from last year. You know, you yeah. lose, lose I mean, that, that makes why, sense like, to me, actually. Yeah, I, I get I get why you try to do the possession based system because you get you're not gonna have like the Bolaños. That the system we had last year worked so perfectly because you had three years to Perfected and building, like you know, and you have Belonia that was deadly quick, Ethan Ryan that was a ball carrier, like that direct line students style work. I don't know, but and, and that's the thing, and we've talked about, and I've, I've mentioned it before on previous episodes. Gomero is the closest we had to Ethan Bryant in terms of that ball carrying ability, yet he has up until the last like two or three games. He has struggled to see the field. And if he's the closest thing you have to what you had before, wouldn't you want to blood him as quickly as possible in the season and not trickle him in from the beginning of the season all the way up until now? Now, all of a sudden, when other teams have completely figured us out and are chouncing us and we're hemorrhaging goals, that's when you're playing him regularly? I mean, he's got 15 starts and 10th most minutes on the team. Yeah. But most of that was Hence by most minutes. Yeah, that's one of the lowest. Like, ten. That's starting eleven levels. But it didn't. But you it, not, it, I, it looked not more than two minutes together before Neil was injured, and it was like forced into a tactical change from it, the injury. No, I'm not talking about combination. I'm just talking. He's been on the field plenty. Also, Playing the eight young player. I keep thinking he's, like, he's twenty-five. Yeah, I mean that's still within the same rank. He still he still should be able to to to, to hold his own. But no, I'm if, just if, saying if like, like the Ethan Bryant position, as a young player. Yeah, I mean he does he he's does have that that look. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? I mean it. it if you're playing him, if if you're putting him on the field and you're expecting him to do a Neil job or you're expecting him to do a Zaka job, no, you're not going to get the best out of him. 
And there have been a lot of games where he's been played out of position. And the games that he has played in the past, up until the last, like, three games, the last three games are the three games where he has consistently played at the eight. Consistently. So, if, if that, he's the closest thing to Ethan Bryant that we have. I would, we, we I would to, want, I, I think, guys to these guys that are gone. No, I, I understand that, but you're, you're, you're looking at the same coach who would want to implement the same type of system. So if you're going to have players that are similar to the ones you lost, you would want to blood them in quickly. And that's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but to Matt's point, it's hard to compare them to Ethan Bryant because last year the system was very direct. Now the system is now, like, it's very possession-oriented. It's very much we're going to hold the ball, we're going to create chances, we're going to slowly work the ball on the field and pull teams apart. But why is it – But I think that's a chicken and the egg situation. Why is it now – Possession oriented because is it of because the players that were brought in this year, like a Belmar, like a like a Jow, like a um Suko, Sarakowski, like those players are a little bit more like granted Belmar started out hot this year, scoring goals and whatnot, but he's not the fleet as a foot like he was before, right? Yeah, he's, he's not the fleet as a foot, right? So you and Tajagi, not the fleet as a foot, Sarakowski, not a burner, Bentley, not a burner. Like you don't have anywhere in that foreign line that can like Jalen last year. Like the I know we talk about Ethan and Belongos because those are the two most noticeable, but like the the two people that we lost on our back line are probably the two two that we missed the most. Stephen Payne and Jalen Chrysler. Yeah. Jalen's Jalen's number one pass. We all we used to call it out in the stands where Jalen would roll out to the right. And ping that ball to the ping left. Ping it to Johnny B. <laughs> yeah. And we used to call that pass out like it was money. Stephen, Stephen Payne. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, he's probably the best left back at that overlapping. He's a right back. I mean, right back. Overlapping run where it gets right underneath the right winger and whip a ball in or crash into the box. Like, he was probably the best at that. He's done an amazing job. But, like, you know, you're we're really missing that. So like, yeah, we're, so, so basically at the end of the day, we're we're missing pace. We're missing pace on this team. That, that pace, just we don't really have any pacey players on the team anymore. Yeah, we've there's, that there's no, there's no. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it all comes down to that because that's probably why we switched over to a more possession base because we we don't have that direct fly up the field and and run at the back line type players anymore. Neil is slow as a pinto. Uh, as as good as he is with the I'm ball at slow. his feet, he has no pace. That man, the, the man, the man's all out run is. Is Bologna's hey, job? Like, right right right. Get you. Hey, Look, I'd like, to, uh, I, like I said, he's one of those players who can he can cook. I've seen him cook players left and right, but he does not have the pace. I know mean, you need pace to alleviate pressure. You need pace to push things back, and we don't have it. I feel like we're talking in circles. We've had this conversation like ten times already this year. Oh, he's bad. Uh, just just <laughs> to be able to, yeah. What what I find interesting. When was the last time? this team cared or pretended to care about possession. 2019. Right. Yeah. yeah. That didn't go well either. Sure didn't. And I think it's because at this level, players aren't good enough to really, you know, consistently pull it off the way I think most coaches envision it. Like, you know, you've, if you woke up early this morning, you saw Spain, you know, carve, you know, part England in the World Cup final. Yeah. They use possession well. But then again, it all comes down to chemistry in a possession-based system because you have to know where your outlets are if you're going to move quickly. You can't move quickly when you have no clue where your teammates are on the field. And that's the most confusing part, I think, for me Mm -hmm. in implementing a possession-based system is that means rotation ultimately is going to lower the quality of your possession because patterns of play are where – the confidence and the quickness comes from in a possession-based system, especially if you don't have players who can rely on just raw pace alone. So I guess I'm the forward line just completely being different every time, which means, you know, 
how far Hornsby and Fitch are pushing up on the wings versus, you know, hanging back and having the forwards do the crowd. Like all of those things, if you're changing that week in and week out, like I don't, I don't understand how quality possession leading to what Schneer was saying about drawing teams out and then being able to pick them apart and bring your, like you can't do that when the players well, don't actually. I mean, you also look at who've been the good teams in, the, in this league over the years. Greenville, they don't care about the ball. Omaha, they don't really care about the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't care about the ball. Like North Texas is the only one that I think has actually been good at having the ball and being good at soccer. Yeah. Well, and that's because they had you know future national team players. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, not, I mean, not necessarily. It's not just that they had international teams. They had, they had players that had been playing together since they were thirteen. Like yeah, they're good players, but when you have a squad of players that have like at least six or seven of them been playing together since they were 13, they know each other like the back of their hand. It's easy to implement, even if they're not like the best of the best, it's easy to implement a possession style game with guys that know each other like the back of their hand. So it's just, again, like, like you're saying, Kate, this is, this is an issue of not just the personnel being changed, I, we've talked about it, about how many times the formation has been changed, which in itself can be confusing as well. I was just looking at it where y'all was talking about, like, the possession. Like, who's been the leading the league in possession over the last five years? So, Matt, you're right. Like, North Texas is the only team that has been good with possession uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in this league. So, <laughs> North Texas 2019 won the league, obviously, had possession. 2020, Fort Lauderdale led the league of position. They sucked. 2021, New England have uh, led the league of possession. Uh, they they missed the playoffs in 2020. They were meh. Yeah, I think they missed That's the playoffs. Great, man. Yeah. 2022, Fort Madison last year. They sucked. <laughs> this year is us. So, Matt, to your point, you're right. Like, it, it's, it's a bad player. It's us. Like, it's a failed experiment at this point. But and also the, the nature of the league is you have, some, you know, guys who are either, you know, maybe tailing off in their career so they're not the player they used to be, or the guys who are on the ascendancy who you can't rely on them to stay with your squad for too long. So sort of squad turnover is sort of the name of the game, and it's, it feels like a yeah. fruitless experiment. That's to a try good to point. And that depends on yeah. chemistry when you either have players who maybe – overestimating their own abilities because they can remember how well they used to be able to play and might not have caught up to what they're now. This is the kids who are, you know, on their way out who are already thinking about what teams they're impressing and aren't going to stick around for more than two seasons together. So it doesn't feel like that a possession-based system dependent on chemistry is really going to be the successful model. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Landon Johnson played with some pace yesterday. Yeah, he's pretty pretty fast. Yeah. He just happens to yeah. be a hellhole of right wing that we have never been able to figure out on his team. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Right wing is, is a, is, has been a conundrum for a lot of teams for uh, for the past couple of years. Right, right wing is a, is a tricky one. Left wing seems to be much easier of a, of a position to fill than right wing lately as in, okay, in the trend of the game right. now. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. I I think Johnson, he he's he's quick. He has he has youthful speed. I wouldn't say he's pacey. <laughs> and we need it. I did. I did laugh at your tweet when you were like, "All right, I love the fact that we're playing the kids, but uh, I need someone over eighteen that can go buy a beer to uh, come on the field and play now." <laughs> I, I I really loved it. I loved the first forty five and. You know, I thought I thought it was a, a really great cameo, but at the end of the day, it's also everyone else on the field is a grown man. And then when you know we picked up a slight injury, and it's sort of like he is sixteen in the day. Um, so I would have liked to see him come off a bit earlier. Maybe he couldn't have got he could have gotten a better standing ovation, you know, from the crowd where they sort of felt like his substitution was a little lost in the in the shuffle. When it happened, I would have liked to see him come off, get his sort of plaudits, yeah. and also maybe not overextend himself with a bunch of, you know, 28 to 34-year-old guys who their bodies are a little bit more well-worn than his. 16 is still really, really young. So that was, I, it, was a long, it was longer than I probably 
would have expected when I saw him in the starting 11. I didn't expect him to play that many minutes. Well, that goes back to the same issue that Matt brought up earlier in that those subs happened way too late. You know, we're down 2 nothing, 3 nothing, And, like, I think when did the first subs happen? Like, into the 71st, 72nd? When he got injured. Yeah, I think that was, like, the 72nd minute, 71st minute. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, yeah. is, it, uh, is it that hard to interpret what that means? It means Derek doesn't like his bench. Yeah, like that, I was about to bring that up. Like at the end of the day, if Belmont's been almost banned from the from the starting lineup, and Bentley scores a goal last week, but still doesn't start this game, I'm I don't think he has a lot of trust in the guys coming off the bench, and it's a bit telling that Johnson is starting a game and playing up until that point. Uh, it's it's really telling when a 16 year old is is doing that, and and it's not like. It's not like I mean, you're talking about a 16 year old. Play well so far. Like he's, he, I don't want to. He, wanna, he like, did play well. I don't want to play well, get, but get it started just because, like, oh, you're young. Go out there, do some shit. My fault. Sorry for cousin, but it's, you know, he, he's he's played well. He deserved that moment. You know, he's hustling. Yeah, no, he he played well. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not taking away from his performance, but at the end of the day, a player. Who you, a 16 year old who you leave on like that better be a Wayne Rooney or a Lionel Messi. Like, uh, it, 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 you, you've got to be a, a, someone who's really standing out for you to hold that position on the field for that long at 16. Because other than that, it's a risk that if you're not getting that reward from, is not a risk you want to take. It's not a smart risk. Because again, like, like Kate was saying, this is a 16-year-old among men. And we all know grown man strength compared to adolescent strength is two completely different things, no matter how much time you spend in the gym. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we kind of can put a pin on this. Like you said that we've talked. Like you can play the last eight pockets. It's just the same prevailing issues again. Um, yeah. But put a pin in this. I mean – we look at it now, there's eight games left. Um, it's kind of weird how the schedule works out because the next four games coming up, we only got one home game. And then the last four, we got three. So our one home game was against Central Valley Fuego for this team. Rightfully so, gets a nice break. Um, they get a, a little break before they come back on the ninth against Junior Omaha and uh, close out their stretch against Fort Madison there. So we got Lexington on Saturday for uh, Central Valley Fuego at home. Looking at it from the two games perspective, well, let's focus on the game against Lexington. What, real quick, what does Darren need to do to ensure that Richmond can walk away from this game with three points? Like, yeah, fix whatever's going on in their heads. It's more mental than physical. <laughs> Yeah, I'm willing to. I'm willing to throw Palmquist back between the sticks. Yeah. I'm will. I don't know. It could be worth a shot. Uh, so let, let, let me ask a similar question, different way. Okay. So teams that you know six wins, uh, nine draws, nine defeats right now, right? Nice. Eight, eight, eight to go. And <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. that's my big game. So eight games to go. Do you think they are able to avoid you know being the having the fewest wins of a kicker's team in the League One era? What's the lowest? Twenty nineteen. How many wins did we have then? And nine that year. Oh my god! No, it's, no, it's, te- it's technically eight in the uh, COVID season. Um, I think we I don't t- know if we can count that yet. <laughs> I think we get. I think we pull out nine wins, but hard press for ten for sure. But here's my thing: in the next five, apart from Central Valley Fuego, where are those wins coming from? To be honest, they have the talent to be Lexington. Yeah, maybe. Yes, maybe Lexington and Central Valley Fuego. 
After that, it's Union Omaha who are where? Second? They're good. It's forward who are in... I mean, the crazy thing is, like we said before, this team literally plays everyone who's in the playoff race. Like, like think about it. This team has been bad for eight games. South Georgia. Yeah. Like, we did South Georgia. That'll be the third one. Well, you got Fuego like, again last game of the season. Yeah. Like, you still play one notch. You still play uh, Tormenta. You still play Greenville. You go home Madison. Like, as crazy as it sounds, those five games, you walk out of there with, what, that's 15 points, and you walk out with nine? Like, you can read the crayons you need to be in the playoff race again. Like, that's how I, 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 Matt, you know, math doesn't work. I'm just taking numbers here at this point. But I'm just saying, like, they can't, oddly enough, control their own destiny at this point still. But to your point, I'm, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think we're getting the playoffs. I barely think we get three wins. I, got I decided to be in my positive era during the second half of the match, and it lasted until the third goal went in. But I was still in my positive era for, like, what, 40, 35 minutes. Um, and so I'm going to re-enter my positivity era. Um, I don't think that we're going to get eight win eight. I think that might be a little too high. But I do think Emmy will get his first hat trick but all penalties to have us beat someone that we shouldn't beat. And I think that we should pay Jalen Chrysler off to score the game winning own goal. You don't yes. got to pay him. He hit us that for fun. We saw that last year. We won't. Well, actually I'm saying it on this spot. We can cut this part out. Um, he, so it won't go. No one will flag it. Still think it's it's a third it's a third one. Oh, no one will know. We won't get a back butt era where we're all of a sudden we're getting we're gonna go to prison for um, match fixing. <laughs> match fixing USL League one games is what gets us thrown off the internet. Great. Um speaking about the Lexington game. I'm not even gonna talk about the back four or the goalkeeper because we probably doubt there'd be any changes there. Midfield will probably say the same. Front three, is there any combination of three that you would like to see start? In the front? Yeah. We can confirm that Carlton Elmer is still alive, right? Yes, he is. He was on the bench. He was on the bench. Uh, Bentley. I mean, he scored a goal in the last game, Bentley. Put Bentley out there instead of Johnson. And I would say Johnson deserves to come off the bench for the second half. He did. He had a solid performance yesterday. It wasn't an outstanding one, but it was a solid performance. I just think he deserves to come off the bench in the second half, but I think Bentley should start. And I, the one thing that Bentley will give us, no, he's not the best player on the squad, but his energy level is higher than anybody else's right now. Let's be honest. I will not. I will um, say this though: that little triangle between Fitch, Emmy, and uh, Bentley is. It is nice. It does have to seem to work. It does seem to work. It's funny enough, like Simon Fitch probably is going to be our player of the season. That's that's my vote. I'm 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 hoping that Bentley can get more playing time and maybe his level of energy and enthusiasm will spill off into the other players at some point in the next eight games. Because that Whenever Bentley is chasing a ball down or running forward with a ball, there is a certain level of energy that he has. There is a certain level of drive that he alludes that that he that that he has that I don't know. You don't see in many of the other players because there's a lot of hesitancy with all the other players. So he was hustling. Give last me night. this lineup. He was he was hustling hard last night when he came in, and he I mean. He came relatively close to making some half chances. Yeah. Which better than what anyone else did last night at all. So. He almost created a half chance, and that's our <laughs> positive moment of the game. That's our. Yeah, well, I mean, how, how much time did he get on the field? I mean, what was it? What was that? Like ten minutes? Is that? If that. But yeah, so, but the thing is. 
every time he's on there, he gives a hundred percent. Yeah, he may make mistakes here and there, don't they all? At the end of the day, these guys are making mistakes going at half pace. So at least give me a hundred percent. And and that's the reality also of USL League One defenses, is these guys are not like Gerard Piquet, like in the back, like you put pressure on them, you're more likely for them to make mistakes. You know how you put pressure on teams? You be direct. (laughs) Just go. Mask is massive. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I know, I know listeners are probably listening to this podcast and like, these guys seem like they're rambling. I trust you, we're not. Like, we're, we're eight weeks into this. I mean, we're trying to figure out these issues the same way as like, after eight weeks, it's like, all right, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> just, no, no, actually, hold on. There is a good from the game. What is it? Back up here you know, in the 5,500 range in the stands. There's, oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was going to get there at first because I kick off. It looked a little light. Uh, but people were rolling in, kept rolling in, kept rolling in. And it was, you know, looking back to early season you know, numbers, you know, uh, in the stands, great to see. Great to see that uh, you know, people are still excited to come out. Some of them thought they were rooting for the other team at first. Voiced that issue already, uh, but you know, hopefully that'll you know, keep you know going and moving in, uh, in positive direction still, even as uh, well all that other stuff we've talked about for the last hours going on. Right. Right. We need people to keep directing five to six full academy teams and their parents to the game every week. We're guaranteed to keep our numbers high. Then we have like four squads walk out at halftime, like 25 of them and all the parents were in the crowd. Great, great boost for the numbers. We that had to have that. easily been like 150 people, right? Like at least all of that. I mean, some of them are there anyway. Those are both local teams. It's not like you know, they brought them in from somewhere random. Yeah, we also need to take into consideration. We also need to take into the, into consideration the temperatures finally starting to go down a little bit because I think the numbers kind of dropped because I mean this this ungodly humid heat has been probably keeping a lot hey, of people. I don't want to hear nothing about <laughs> New Orleans. Look, once I left New Orleans, I ain't complaining about the heat no more. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm with you on that one. A few it's weeks ago, I went to South Georgia. I went to South Georgia. I came back. I said, I can't even complain about this stuff here because down there, it was something else. <laughs> I, was in, I was on Hilton Head last week and it felt like I was swimming every day through the air. So, <laughs> less than relief coming back to Richmond. New Orleans is stupid. Like, it'd be 86. Yeah, it's going to feel like 112. I, I beg your pardon. What? Like, why? <laughs> why is that almost 40 degree difference? Why is it so high? They all believe the ACs. Like, no, that's um, yeah, man. Eight games left. Crowds are still showing up, Matt. Like, that is true. Like, crowds aren't showing up still. That shows how much this community still cares about Richmond. And we go again. Even though we lost, these teams actually uh, did the first time this year, what, lost back to back games. So even though we lost the game, we still going to show up. Still gonna... Yeah. Um, Still gonna show up. Still gonna cheer on this team no matter what till the very last whistle. And uh, yeah. So with that being said, guys, any uh, last things before we wrap up? I'm ready to get hurt again. Just all the- <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, just uh, just speaking of the fans and speaking of the the numbers that we're getting, just. For all of those people, if they're thinking about not coming to the next home game, think about it this way. When you go through the tough periods with a team, when things turn up, you don't look like bandwagon, and it feels a lot better. Because Think about what last season felt like, knowing that we went through 2019, <laughs> and we came out at the end of 2020 league champions. It feels a lot better when you've gone through the the dregs and through the the trenches with the team to come back and and have that redemption. So hang in there. Yeah, Matt, Kate, any uh, last things from y'all? I'll stay in my positivity era until we get one particularly bad call, and I 
then I cannot be responsible, held responsible. Like a handball that hit a hand? I'm good. There you go. Mad the consistent ever of positivity. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun. But, um, Listeners, as always, and we say, without you, we couldn't do this podcast. So we want to say thank you for taking the time of your day for listening to our show. We'll be back next week where hopefully uh, we're talking about a kicker's win over Lexington. And, uh, yeah, getting ready for that home game Wednesday. So with that being said, as always, we will holler at you guys next week. Be easy.